But I do want to thank everybody. We had a fantastic turnout and a fantastic time. Everything went smoothly, and it was, it was really how service can be in fellowship in the, Christ, in the church, and so it, it was fantastic. I thank everybody for their help. Um, all right, we are starting a new series, and I thought about it as we went into this um, fall and into this year with the pandemic back up and everything else that's going on. And, you know, I, I thought of the question, where is God? You know, I, we ask that a lot sometimes, you know, we, and it's not just because of current times, so sometimes in the face of death, sometimes in the face of suffering, uh, when life doesn't turn out the way we think it should, or maybe we can't see God. Um, and we, have, we all have those times in our lives where we just say, where is God? Where is God in all of this, wherever we find ourselves? So each week, we're going to kind of take a person and a, a topic and um, uh, look at where God is in this. And today, uh, we're talking about where is God when we don't want to? And that's kind of open-ended. We'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, but our scripture that today comes out of the Gospel of John, chapter 5, beginning in verse 1 through 9. Listen for the word of the Lord. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is in Aramaic called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by, by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, and he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred, while I am trying to get in, someone go, else goes down and goes ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and walked. This is the word of God for the people of God. So, it's irony, I did not know Um, I'd be in this situation when I picked this scripture about healing. But the answer is, yes, Jesus, I want healed. Uh, But at first pass, when we look at this scripture, we might think that's a, a, a weird question. You know, do you want to be well? I mean, he's an invalid, found out he'd been one for 38 years. He was by a pool that's known for healing. And so at first pass, you think the, the, the question is, or the answer is, of course I want to be healed. Of course I want to be made well. But maybe not so fast. You know, as we start to think about and look at this, we, we think about situations where people find themselves and they're, they're stuck in or maybe have been in their whole life. And they don't understand what healing means, what it would look like. But I, I grew up in Chicago, and there was, back in the 80s, there was this man, every now and then I'd ride the trains downtown, and 
um, had different jobs, summer jobs, and there was this man that would drive or ride the L train, and he would go around begging for money. But when he came, his, his, he had been burnt in a fire, and it was shocking to see him. Um, and I saw him one day, and it took my breath away to see him. And he went around, and he made a lot of money. And le- later, an article came out that he had been offered several times by a bunch of doctors to help try to correct it the best they could. And he had always turned them down. I don't know if it was him or he had people down, but he had turned them down because he didn't want to be healed because of the money he was making. Uh, we, we think about... Uh, concepts like learned helplessness and how we fall into these traps where we just want, we, we're, we're helpless. We, we, it's, it's an education thing and, and we begin to just kind of float. Uh, I, was, I always think about being uh, in Kairos ministry, being institutionalized, right? Like the, maybe you've watched Shawshank Redemption and uh, the one gentleman that went out um, first, I mean, he'd been in the institution his whole life. And, and you ask anybody in jail, they say, you want to get out? Of course I want to get out. But if you've been in there maybe 38 years and you get out, it was much more than he could handle. Uh, and we might have a hard time understanding that. But sometimes it's hard. That question about uh, being healed isn't as obvious as we think it is. And there's a lot of different factors in that. Um, you know, as a pastor, and there's pastors in here, you, people come to you and they want help in their marriage, they want help with addiction, they want help uh, in all these different areas, um, and they seek it, but they don't really want to be healed. And it just continues, and the cycle continues. And, and that's really what we're talking about. Um, When Jesus is asking this man, do you want to be healed? That's really a question, like many questions in John, to all of us. Do you want to be healed? You know, we come to church all the time. We're church folks. Uh, But do we come just to an organization? How many people um, need some healing here today? I mean, it could be physical, could be spiritual, could be relational. But we come and we just don't come saying, Lord, I need healing. We come and say, oh, I'll, I'll go to church for an hour. I don't know why that pastor's changing time so much. It irritates me. <laughs> and we get distracted easy, don't we? But this is the thing we have to understand, and it's a bigger question than just this story, that Jesus, God wants a relationship with us. Jesus wants a relationship with us. Jesus wants to heal us. Jesus can change our lives. Jesus can heal our wounds, heal our spirit, bring you peace like you don't know, joy you have never experienced, forgiveness, redemption. Jesus wants to do all of that for us, but there's one thing required. We have to want to. See, Jesus gave us the gift of free will. God created us with the gift of free will so that we could love him, 
with all our heart, mind, and soul. He's not going to override that. He's not going to make us love him because then that's not love. He wants us to want to. He doesn't want us to say, oh, I got to go to church today. Although I kind of said that today. He wants us to want to in everything. He wants us to want to love him, wants to be in his presence, want to worship him, wants want to know more about him in scripture and in prayer. He wants us to want to, and he's not going to override that. We just had a a, a series on discipleship. As I said, it's not rocket science. We go, we lessen the world in our lives. We go to the Lord in scripture and prayer and service. We experienced them in service yesterday, the Holy Spirit. Um, we go to him in these things, and we can lay that out. And I guarantee you, if you show up in those things on a regular basis, you will begin to feel the healing and the love and the spirit God offers. But you have to want to. Jesus isn't just going to heal you because he wants you to want to. The So we can give you the tools, but we can't make you want to. We can't make you do it. You know, knowing what to do is not the Christian discipleship problem. It is doing it and wanting to do it. So the question is, Jesus asked us, do you want more of me in your life? Do you want more peace, more joy? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to feel that? Jesus asked the sisters in chapter 11, he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Even all those who believe in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. Do you believe this? In Mark 8, he asked Peter, um, who do they say I am? And he said, some say prophet, some say John, some say Elijah, some say all of these things. But Jesus, yeah, but who do you say that I am? See, because it, it depends, the, do, we can, do we believe Jesus can heal us, can give us peace, to give us redemption, forgive us of our sins, all the promises of the Bible, do we believe it? Because that's going to make us decide if we want to or not. So maybe we, you know, we end up as a, as a pastor looking at the Christian culture in our country. The there's issues with churches and pastors, and you know we're we're human, but there's also a big problem with the want to. That's lacking. There's a have to. Uh, kind of, I'll check it out. But the, one, the true deep healing that comes with Jesus Christ, because we know in our heart of hearts, he can do all that he says he can do. And if we believe that, if we truly believe that, then I believe we would want to. I think that's probably part of the problem. Um, why, why, can't, why wouldn't we want that? There's a few, few reasons. Change. Right? When, when if Jesus comes in, into your life, I guarantee you there's going to be some change. And I had people all the time say, oh, pastor, I, I want to come to Jesus, but I like my life. I don't want to change anything. 
Some of that stuff is what's causing issues in his life. And I always say the same response. You do not have to change anything to come to Christ. But be prepared, you might want to over time. And it might change. But people don't like change. Sometimes uh, the bad we know is better than the good we don't know. C.S. Lewis has a great quote, uh, quote. It says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by an offer to go on holiday at, a sea, at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And I think that's some of our problem. We live in a sinful world. We are sinful beings. We don't know what pure joy is. We don't know what pure peace is. We know some peace better than other. We know times of joy, but uncontaminated by self and sin, we've never experienced that, so it's hard for us to imagine. When we begin to follow, when we begin to want to, then sometimes we begin to experience this process. But it's because we can't imagine it. Holiness, we don't know anything about true holiness. Everything we see and experience of God is through a veil, is through a fuzzy fog that is contaminated by self and sin in the world. Yeah, I think if we ever had a glimpse, that's why these, these mountaintop experiences, get, there's two things that make us want to change. Either we have a mountaintop experience and we feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and God speaks to us and moves us in ways we can't even imagine and we say, there's, I got a glimpse. I want to follow that. I want more of that. If that's just a glimpse I got in heaven or here on earth, I want to be there forever. So that's one way we're motivated to change. The other way is much more common to probably a bunch of us. The one is the experience on the mountaintop. The other is deep in the valley where we come to the conclusion we can no longer, that my way is not so working so well. And I'm tired of the mud puddle. I'm tired of the junk. I'm tired of this work. There's got to be something more. That's what God was telling me in my life. There's got to be something more than what I was doing. And we have those experiences that want to drive us to seek out God. And so both of those things change us, change our hearts, change our motivation. And all of a sudden, whether mountaintop or, or deep in the valley, all of a sudden something changes and we want to. I want to follow Christ. See, all we have to do is want to. You know, we, it's the sovereignty of God. God sanctifies us through Jesus Christ. God justifies us through the Holy Spirit and, and Jesus Christ. God transforms us, regenerates us, makes us a new creation in Christ. God does all that stuff. All we have to do is want to. All we have to do is, is want it to have that change. But we got to come to those things and that's the thing. Those are often the conversion moments 
For people that don't grow up in the faith, they have this something that happens that all of a sudden they want to. So we're afraid of change, but also let's be honest. Why do some of us not want to change? The, the example of people saying, Pastor, I don't want to change anything. Because we like sin. Maybe not all of it, but some of it's not bad. Right? That's the natural person speaking. I don't want to give that up. I kind of like that. Again, shortchanging God. Not knowing what God really is offering us. Not being able to see it. But Jesus says, if you want to, all this would be opened up to you. Revelations 3.20, says, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. So Jesus calls out to us. He tries to call us into relationship. Most often we're too busy, preoccupied, too self-absorbed, and we don't pay attention until we have one of those experiences. And then all of a sudden, Jesus begins to say, yeah, there is something more, Jim. There is something more. And all of a sudden, Jesus promises, I will stand at the door and knock. I will seek after you. And then it goes on to say, if, if anyone who hears and opens the door. Jesus is standing there waiting for us. Remember, I always say, we don't have to ask for God's forgiveness. We've already gotten God's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We just have to receive it. Open the door. We just have to want to be forgiven, want to repent of our sins, want to be connected to God. We got to want to. So some of you might be going, well, Jim, you forgot the name of your series. Where is God in all of this? Where is God when I don't want to? He's waiting. Like the father in the prodigal story of the prodigal son. He didn't go after him. He let him have his free will and his choice, even though it was selfish and hedonistic and disrespectful in so many different ways. He let him go. Son said, I don't want to live here anymore. I don't want to be in your presence or live in relationship with you. And the father said, okay. And then what did he do? He waited. He waited till he came to himself. And he had one of those experiences in the valley where he found himself broke, wishing he had the food that he was feeding the pigs. And so he was wallowing in that mud puddle, and he said, I want to go home. I want to go back to my father. I want to go back to my home. And where was his dad? He was waiting. So whether it is with discipleship, whether it is with a struggle, whether it's addiction, whether it's relationship, whatever it is, whether you've never come to God and began to receive that peace, whatever it is that you just don't want to do right now. You don't want to commit yourself to discipleship. You don't want to commit, and maybe you haven't thought about it, but your actions say, I don't want to. 
Whatever it is you don't want to right now, just know Jesus is waiting. And when you want to, he'll be there. God in the Old Testament said, return to me and I will return to you. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Lord, as we come to your table, I pray uh, that you would bless these elements. Lord, that this would be a time where uh, we were reminded of the message of the cross. Lord, you said in the garden, I'd rather not do this, take this cup from me, but not my will, your will. And so, Lord, you didn't want to go to the cross. You didn't want to suffer like you did, but you wanted to save us. You wanted to reconcile us to a pure and holy God. So, Lord, I praise you and thank you for your want to and for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.